thanks for being with us today for our online service. And let's jump into today's message, all right? Uh, we've been walking through, through, through June and July, walking through a series called I've Decided. Uh, really, it's a, a series about what it means to be a, a Jesus follower and what that looks like. Um, and we've been walking through the four Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the four, first four books in the New Testament, they really talk about the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, um, what Jesus has invited us into, and uh, we've been walking through those four books. And so if you've never read the Gospels, I would encourage you to read them. In fact, Gospel just means good news. And so the, the four writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're known as the four evangelists, and they're known uh, that they are sharing the good news. They're taking the good news, right? And so these Gospels, these, these, these letters, these um, uh, uh, recorded events that they're recording uh, in history, uh, they're helping us see the good news showed up in a very bad time. Uh, which is good news for us because in the middle of this season, there's a lot of things that are challenging. And I want you to know the good news is still available even in our season in 2020. And we can trust God in all things. And uh, so we're going to walk through that. So uh, the question for this series really, and, and the, big, the larger idea is all of us are following someone. Um, maybe it's a philosophy. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a political party. Um, there's a lot of different things. Maybe it's just social media or whatever, the, the, a news outlet, a news source. Um, leaders in your life. Here's the truth. All of us are following somebody. Every single one of us is allowing people to influence our life. Um, and so the question is not, are you following somebody? Rather, who you have to ask the question is, who am I following? Uh, who am I allowing to influence my life? Because we all are. And we said this because when we allow others to influence, we follow, right? Followership or discipleship. Um, it's impossible to follow somebody and not become like that person. Eventually, we're going to end up believing what those people believe, being, end up acting like the, the way those people act. And so it's important that we choose who we're going to follow. For me, in my, my life, I made a decision that I'm going to follow Christ, that I believe his way is the best way, the absolute best way I can live here on earth. And so I've said yes to him. And that's what it means to, for me to, to make that decision of saying, I'm going to, I decided to follow Jesus. And uh, I hope and pray that that would be your decision also, that as you realize what he's offering us and you realize what he's inviting us into, you would be that person that says, I decide uh, to follow him. I decide to give him my life. I def- decide to go all in and, and become what he wants him to become. In fact, that's what Christian means. It means a Jesus follower, somebody who's trying to be like Christ, somebody who's allowing Christ to lead their life. And so if you're not a Jesus follower, um, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this, uh, this video to make that decision. And so maybe some of you are ready, and uh, I'll be giving an opportunity to, to say that today. I'm going to make a decision to follow Christ. And so, um, yeah, we'll let you know about that in a little bit. Um, so in, in this series, uh, we've been talking about these different aspects of, of what each gospel is pointing to. Uh, last week, we talked about healthy relationships, that relationships are important. And so we said we need to treat others the way we want to be treated. Uh, we need to see others as assets, not adversaries. Um, and what we said about um, the Gospel of Luke is he's trying to help us to have healthy relationships with four things, uh, with others, with ourselves, with God, and with circumstances. And so essentially, um, the things that we face in life, just life in general, things that come and go, this season of COVID, right? How can we be healthy in the circumstances that we find ourselves in? Uh, what can, how can we be the people who stay healthy mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially, when we find ourselves in a very difficult situation? Well, the scriptures give us answers, and they're, they're, they give us the resources and the tools to know how to respond so that we stay healthy even in the most difficult of circumstances. And so that was last week. We talked about that. Um, in, in these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all are written to different audiences, and they all are pointing to a different aspect of Jesus' life. Um, what's interesting is in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, there's a prophet named Ezekiel 
who sees this vision of these four beings, right? These, these angels, uh, these, these beings that have four different faces. And then John, in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, he sees the same vision of these four beings. And when we look at the Old Testament, a lot of times what, what we see that is uncertain, unknown, is pointing to Jesus, is pointing to the life of Christ, is pointing to what's going to come and what's going to take place. And so what we see and what scholars have noticed is that these four beings really point uh, to the four Gospels and they point to four aspects of Jesus' ministry and life. And so you can almost call the four faces or the four, four qualities of Jesus' ministry. And each of the Gospels writes about one of those qualities. Um, we, we talk about Matthew, how he represents the lion, right? And the lion is there to talk about the, the king of all kings, right? Uh, Matthew is written to the, to the Jewish people. And so he's making a case that Jesus is God, he is the king, and that we should follow him. And then we talk about Mark, how Mark is the face of the ox, and he points to service, and how and Mark was written to the, to the Romans. And so he was writing to leaders, to the influential people of that day, people who were the movers and shakers, right, people of action. And so his book is action-packed. It's the shortest, and it just moves through very quickly. But, but he's writing from a perspective of saying, when it comes to authority, when it comes to leadership and, and rulers, you, we've seen the human way. Let's look at the God way. And he, he, he demonstrates uh, servant leadership, Jesus does. And Mark points at that and says, here's our, here's our servant. Here's our example. Here's the way we need to love others. And then last week, we talked about Luke. And Luke was the, was the physician. And so he's a doctor. And he's writing to the Greeks. And he's writing to that mindset. In fact, it's maybe the most sophisticated of the Gospels because of the way he's writing and how he's presenting it, the accounts. And uh, he's writing to, to, from that perspective. And so each of them are writing to somebody different. And today we're going to look at the, the book of John. And so John is the face of the eagle. So we have the face of the lion, the face of the ox, the face of the man, and then we have the face of the eagle. And John, it, it points us to the face of the eagle. And uh, what's interesting is the first three Gospels, they major on describing the events of Jesus' life, right? The, the events of his ministry. So they point out to the things that he did. Well, John is slightly different. So the first three are called the synoptic. They're very similar. John comes in, and it's very different. It starts different than the other ones. It um, doesn't have genealogy. Uh, it doesn't record a lot of the same things, teachings, and, and parables that Matthew, Mark, and Luke recorded. Uh, there are some similarities in those, but most of, the, most of it is John is coming and writing later in life after he's reflecting on what has taken place, after he's seen what the other writers have written, and possibly, and he begins to fill in the gaps and, and show us. And so the three Gospels, they, they, they describe the events of Jesus' life. And John emphasizes the meaning of these events. So he's given us a higher perspective, like an eagle, right? You would fly up high, you can see far away. Um, it's amazing that eagles can see almost two miles. Some of the, some little rabbits and their prey from two miles away in the air. It's pretty amazing. They have such great eyesight. But they're seeing a bigger perspective. And so John is kind of giving us that bigger perspective. He's talking about the resurrected Christ. He, he starts off by saying, um, you know, in the beginning, he's comparing Jesus to God right away in the beginning that, um, like Genesis starts, that's how John starts, right? He's going all the way back to saying, here's the creator, here's, here's, here, we are creation, he's creator, he's God, we're not. He talks about light and dark, and he begins to talk about this whole journey of Christ coming down from heaven to earth. And so he came down from high, and then he didn't stay here, he rose again back up there to show us how to live, and because of his resurrection, we can have life. And so this is John's um, idea, right? So he's given us the meaning of these things that took place. In fact, the four Gospels, there's an example. They all record the feeding of 5,000. So Jesus does his miracle, feeds 5,000 um, men, and then not, not include women and children, so more than 5,000. But they all record it. But here's the difference. John actually, he records the story or the sermon that Jesus taught after it well, that's called the bread of life. 
Essentially, Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. If you're looking for life and how to survive and how to live beyond what you, just what you see, like I'm, I'm the answer to that. So John doesn't just record the event. He actually records the meaning behind it, that Jesus is pointing to something greater, right? They're looking for something to satisfy their needs. Jesus is saying, I have something that will satisfy more than just your hunger. I, I can satisfy your life. And so John, he's writing from that perspective of saying, hey, let's, let's zoom out. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are focusing on specific uh, points, specific things. John is coming out further saying, let's look at the bigger perspective. Let's look at what's really going on. Let me help you have insight. And he's, 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 Jesus is teaching to help us to see what we don't see. Um, I love the Gospel of John because of that. He's helping us see it. And what's, what's interesting about the Gospel of John is, um, and, and the other writers is when it comes to the life of Christ and like a biography, most biographies, they end with the death of the person, right? All the great things they did, and maybe it talks about what, what happened after they were, de- they were dead. John's continues on after the death of Jesus. He talks about the resurrection. He talks about what took place after, how Jesus is still alive today. Um, in fact, one of the words that John, is, is, it's a key word in his, in his gospel, is the word life. Uh, he wants us to know that life, uh, eternal life specifically, is not just there and then, like a, a place, a destination, heaven, but it's for now. In fact, John 10.10, 10, he quotes Jesus, and this is what Jesus says, that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Essentially, John is saying, Jesus has promised us the best life we could possibly have here on earth. That's Jesus' claim, that I've come to give you an abundant life, a full life, the best possible life you can have here on earth. Jesus offers it to you. He offers it to me. And John is saying, don't miss this. Take him up on this, right? And what John is saying, eternal life, abundant life, it's not for heaven, it's not for then, although that's part of it, it's also for now. Uh, heaven is, is not just then, but it's also right now. And what, what John uses in, in, the, um, in, in, his, in, his, uh, in the, the gospel he's writing is he's saying, when it comes to us, we're sinners, we're lost. And, and sin is not just sickness or weakness, it's actually death. Uh, that people that, are, that, that choose a life of, of, of living outside of what God wants, we actually choose a, a life of spiritual death that we separate ourselves from God. So our, the reward of a sinner is whatever they can have here on earth. That's it. So you enjoy the pleasure, you enjoy whatever goes on, that's all you get. Where John is saying there's something more than that. Eternal life is not just about um, having things now, but it's also for the future. But it's living in such a way that you bring heaven down to earth. So he goes on and he says this. Uh, this would be the key verse in, in the book of John. Uh, John 20, 31. He says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in by believing you may have eternal that you may you may have life in his name. So in the powerful name of Jesus there is life because you you believed. And so he's saying um, essentially summing up his book towards the end of the end of the gospel he's saying this is why I've wrote all these things. The reason I've recorded, the reason I've taken time to write these details and they're amazing details. The book of John um, you can study and study and study and you'll always find something you didn't see before. Uh, it's just an amazing book. And so as, he, as he's writing through, he's saying, here's why I wrote this, so that you may believe in the Messiah, and that through believing, you'll have life through his powerful name. And so John is saying, uh, life doesn't start in heaven, it starts right now. You can bring heaven to earth. You can have heaven on earth today as you live and, and allow God to lead you on this journey. And so he's inviting us into that. And so John, when it comes to belief, it's not just the idea of I'm going to believe something internally. It's, it's a, a belief that's tied to action. In fact, all the gospel writers, when you, when you watch the life of Jesus, a lot of times they want the miracle, but Jesus wants them to do something beforehand. Like he's asking them to take a step. Yeah, God's going to do his part, 
But there's something he's inviting us to do. What is the action step that he's inviting us to do? What is the action step that he's inviting people? So sometimes we're waiting for the miracle, and God is actually waiting for us to act on something that we a lot of times already know we're supposed to act on. Sometimes it's a very little thing. He's saying just do that, and then you're going to see the miracle come. Do this, and then you're going to see. Because by doing that, you're showing that you actually believe. Your belief is tied to your action. Your belief is not tied to words or just thought. It's also tied to what, what you, what, how, you, how you live your life. And so John is inviting us into this. We see this in the life of the disciples, specifically in the life of Paul, right? So if you think of that perspective of a, you know, I, I love the eagles because they're one, the, the most amazing bird out there, for one, but they can just go super high and they can see super far. Um, you know, when, when a storm comes, all of us face the storm, all of us uh, experience the storm, and the difference is the eagle, they use the storm, the very the circumstance, the thing that would be bad, to be the thing that r- helps them rise higher. And so the stronger the wind, the f- higher they can rise. And, and they use the force of the wind to be able to go higher and higher. And I think when we look at the life of Jesus, look at J- John, he's trying to say that. When life comes at us, you have one option, to try to just fight through it, or to get buried under it, or to let it lift you up and to rise above it. You know, during this, this COVID season, some of us have done that. Some of us just try to fight it and bear our way through it. Others have gotten buried by it. But there's few of us who've said, you know what, I'm going to use this to help actually get better. I'm going to use this circumstance to lift up higher. We see this in the life of Paul, right? They, you couldn't be, they couldn't beat Paul. They tried to stop him from preaching the gospel, and they couldn't get him to do it. You know, they said, stop Paul. First of all, Paul, he, he was anti-Christ at first. He was uh, against Christ. And, and, the, and, and then God said, I'm going to use you to, to be my witness. And so um, he, he took Paul and, and he began the journey with him. And so Paul, uh, during his ministry and his life, whenever the religious people, whenever the Roman government tried to get him to stop, he had a higher perspective. And so they said, Paul, if you don't stop, we're going to beat you. He's like, all right, well, then my, my life will be a testimony to others. Paul, if you don't stop, we're going to put you in prison. It's okay, then I'm going to write a lot of books to a lot of people. And he's going to help use that time to be able to do good. Fine, Paul, if you don't stop, we're going to kill you. And Paul, you know, his response was, hey, if you kill me, that's great. My, my, my death is going to be gained because now I'll be with Christ. The very one I'm living for and serving, I'll be with him. You couldn't beat Paul because he had this higher perspective, right? Whatever came his way, he was going to rise above it and say there's something greater here. And ultimately, God is in control. And so even if they try to kill him, Paul's saying, when my time is done, my ministry is done, when God is done with me, I will go to heaven and it's going to be okay. But until then, I'm going to do what God is asking me to do. I believe God has invited us to live that kind of life, that we will say yes to him no matter what we face, no matter what goes on in our life. And there's a, there's a, a verse in a song by James Gray that says this, who could mind the journey when the road leads home? When you know where the road is leading, when you know the higher perspective of what's going to take place, you don't mind the journey. You don't mind the storms because you know at the end of that there's going to be this great destination. There's going to be this great thing that God has for us, a great plan, and we can begin to live. That's the assurance that John is offering us, that Jesus is offering us, that Paul lived out for us, right? They're saying that whatever I face, right, um, that Jesus, the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Why? Because the cross, the storm, it was going to accomplish something greater. And he said that he could endure it because he saw the outcomes. He saw further down the road. Um, Paul says, whatever my suffering, right, in this present world is not compared to anything that I'm going to experience uh, in heaven with God. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a popular um, uh, plaque that's out there. It says, why pray when you can worry, right? Why pray when you can worry? I think for some people that has become the mantra for COVID-19. 
Why pray when you can just worry? Let worry become, become the thing that you, you focus on. You know, why pray when you can criticize? It's easy to criticize leadership. It's easy to say, you know, if you were in charge, you'd do things different. It's harder to pray for them. You know, one of of my things for this season of COVID I've tried to do is I want to pray more than I criticize. So instead of criticizing leadership and government, I want to pray for them. And if my criticism is higher than my prayer, then there's something wrong in my heart because I'm I'm taking this place of judge and I'm saying I'm better and I know more and I don't because I'm not in their roles. So rather than just letting criticize be high, let our prayer be high and our critique and our criticism really come under what God is asking us to do. And so we say, you know, instead of, Worrying, instead of um, letting criticism come in, I'm going to pray. And this is the perspective God brings us. Says, if you will begin to trust me, I'm going to give you a better perspective. All right. So in this in this um, this series of, of I've decided, I've decided. Um, these four gospels are pointing to these four qualities, right? That we're talking about these exceptional qualities that we see in the life of Jesus. And I believe that we all need to have as Jesus followers. And so four qualities. Uh, we'll talk about them. But let me show you in the in the Old Testament. There's a, a young man named Daniel. Daniel's amazing. The book of Daniel is pretty amazing because we see Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, the four of them God used in a great way in a, in a foreign kingdom in, in Babylon. Uh, they, they were taken as exiles from Israel into Babylon. And so they're not even at their, their home anymore. Now they're, they're slaves. They're, they're enslaved. They're, they're captive to a different kingdom. And in the middle of that, God blesses them and helps them um, to, to make a difference even in that foreign kingdom. This is what it says about Daniel in Daniel 6. It says, Now Daniel, he so distinguished himself among the administration, the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So the king, he had 120 provinces, and he put one person over all those provinces, and he had three that were over those 120 leaders. And it says that Daniel, he distinguished himself so much that not only was he above the 120, but he was under, above the other two also. So he was right under the king. Why? Because he had these exceptional qualities. He so distinguished himself by these exceptional qualities. You know, I believe that all of us can distinguish ourselves here on earth if we'll live and follow Christ's example, God's example. I think it's what we see in the life of Daniel. He trusted God. He said, God, I'm going to represent you. Uh, I'm going to serve you no matter what comes my way. And the miracles that God did in Daniel's life are pretty amazing. I think we can see those same things in our life if we will say, God, help me to distinguish myself by living out these exceptional qualities. So we look at the life of, of Jesus through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see these four exceptional qualities, right? The first one was confidence. We talked about this in Matthew, right? Matthew is the lion. Uh, it represents the lion, the face of, of, of the lion when Jesus is in ministry. He's the king, right? How much confidence do you have if your dad's the king? How much confidence do you have when you know your dad's going to win the battle, right? How much confidence or the war, how much confidence do you have when you know your dad knows everything? You have a lot of confidence. And that's where we find our confidence, not in ourselves, not in our strength, but in who we know. It's, it's, in, it's in Christ. It's in God that we find that confidence. And Matthew's pointing to that. If you want to know who's the king, it's Jesus. And, and he, he leads us into that, right? That we would have confidence by, by loving God. And so, so Matthew's pointing to that. So the, sectional, the second exceptional quality uh, was attitude. And this is Mark, right? Mark is saying, let's love people by serving others. Let's have this attitude in ourselves that Christ had, that we are here not just for self, not just to, to have pleasure and just to live life for ourselves, but to live for others. And we have, an, have a positive attitude. When we have an attitude, oh, I'm going to serve. Uh, we see this in the life of Jesus. He knew why he was here. And it wasn't to be served. It was to serve. And so he's saying, learn to love others. Learn to serve others. Have the right attitude. And then Luke, last week, when we talk about uh, the face of, of, the, of the human that, they, that he sees, that John sees in this uh, vision, right? It's, it's healthy relationships. 
we see the life of Jesus. Luke is recording how he's the son of man. He's, he, was, he left heaven. He came down as a man. The incarnation, right? To, to live among us, to, to know what it is to be a human, to live that life out. And he's saying we have to have healthy relationships. Relationships, they matter. The people that influence our life matter. And so today, let's talk about the fourth exceptional quality that I believe we all need to have uh, if we're going to represent Christ well, if we're going to follow him and uh, really make a difference in this world. Um, even if you're not a Jesus follower, this would be, this next one would be one that you should um, add into your, into your life, into, your, into the habits and the way that you live your life. And the fourth is excellence. All right? So John, face of the eagle, we see excellence. And excellence is just doing the best with what you have. Excellence is saying, I'm going to do the best with what I have. It's not waiting to have a ton of things or a lot of money or to have nice things. It's doing the best with what you have now, managing, taking care of the little things now so that one day maybe you'll be put in charge of bigger things, right? That's one of Jesus' main teachings is if you're faithful with little, you'll be given more. Be faithful with little. Too, many, too often, too many times, we're looking down, down the road waiting for that destination to come that we miss the things that we're supposed to do now, which disqualifies us from ever having those things uh, in, in the long run. And so God is saying, have a bigger perspective. You want to get there? Here's the steps to get there. You want to accomplish those things? Here are the things that you need to do Start. You need to do right now. So I'd say this. We need to do well with little, and then God will give us more. So maybe summarize excellence as this. Just do all things well. Do all things well. Um, it's important that we become the kind of people that say, everything I do, I'm going to do it well. Uh, we, have a, we have a couple of restaurants in Santa Fe that we've had a, a couple of really disappointing experiences at. Um, one of them, I love the restaurants in New Mexico. It's, it's, it's New Mexico owned and uh, it's a, they have good food for a good price. Um, but they had an issue with their company and uh, the manager was really rude. And, and so I just, we stopped going there for a while uh, because, uh, because of the experience we had. They didn't do it with excellence. Uh, it, was, it was just a bad experience. You know, when you go to a place um, and then we've got other restaurants, we have this incredible experience and we want to keep going back. In fact, I went last night to one that always gives us exceptional service. They have excellence. Um, they value us, right? We keep going back and we keep going back. In fact, in business, they say in, in, in business school and they're teaching, you know, the way that businesses grow is you have re- repeat customers, returning customers, right? Uh, and the way you do that is you create a comfortable atmosphere, a comfortable place of business so they can come back. So they, and, and the way you do that, creating comfort, is through excellence. It's through a consistent uh, presentation, through a consistent effort on your part to be the same every time they come. Right? Have you ever gone to a, maybe a company, an organization, or you're buying something from somebody and there's a mess everywhere, it's out of order? Uh, how much confidence do you have in that company or that, that, that person? Not a lot, because the things are out of order, right? So, so in, in the Gospel of, 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 Jesus, of John, we're seeing God is he's, he's a God of excellence. He's a God of order. He's, he's putting things in line. He's saying you need to live a life of excellence, doing the best with what you have. Uh, you know, at the building, the Grove Central, we're beginning to work and, and renovate it, and we started putting down some, some vinyl floor, and uh, it's, it's interlocking, it's an interlocking uh, vinyl floor. And so a few of our team has learned how to do this, and, and one of our team, my son, uh, he's going to be 14 uh, pretty soon, and uh, he, he's starting to learn how to do this. And I'm so proud of him because there was a, a moment yesterday where I had to leave the building to go and work on something, and he was there, and some of the other team came, and they didn't know how to do the floor, but he did. And so my, my, young, my son, my oldest, he becomes the foreman of the group and begins to lead them. And what's amazing is he's done majority of that floor. He's been a part of that whole process. And he's very young, uh, but he's doing the best he can. And so when I look at his work, I'm proud as a dad because he's doing the best with what he has. He doesn't have years of experience. He's just learning right now. He's doing it. But what he's done is excellent. 
And when we see that in people's lives, we actually applaud it. We actually want to be a part of it. And God invites us into that. What if we did things with excellence? Um, I told my kid this last week, my kids, because we went to a restaurant, and the workers, they were not happy that I was there. They were disappointed that I was there. And I'm trying to give business to them. I'm trying to help you know, our, our, our city and people that are um, having, have jobs. And they weren't happy. And I said, I said, guys, don't ever be that kind of employee. Uh, love your job. Serve people well. Just do the best of what you have and be grateful that you have that. And when you do, people want to come back. And when you don't, people don't want to see you or see your face because they know what they're going to get. And so I would say learn to do all things well. If you're the leader and you're showing up on time, you're late. You need to set the example, right? Excellence means you're there early. Excellence means you, you create a margin. Excellence means that you were prepared. Excellence means that you were ready for the opportunity that was in front of you. It's doing the best with what you have. You know, I look at our, our even, even the setting in, in the, the COVID season, right? We don't, uh, as, a, as a church, uh, we don't have tons and tons of equipment to do what we really wish we could. So we do the best with what we have, right? Our, our studio uh, it's been consistent. We, we, we do the best with what we have, and we, and we work hard at just saying, let's be consistent in what we're doing. On Sunday mornings, that's our goal, that we're consistent. That you know, People that come, they know what to expect. They know what they're going to get, and we're going to give them the best that we can. When I speak, I take it as a, as a privilege that I get to do this. So I come prepared. I come ready to give a challenge. So my part, there's a part that, that my role of giving the, doing the best that I can but for you, as somebody that's participating, that's, that's learning, that's listening, you also have a part. You have to pay attention. You have to, you have to be engaged. You have to be um, willing to learn, willing to be challenged by what is said. You know, I think of excellence. When I think of the life of, of Jesus and I think of the Gospel of John, I, don't, I think there's the, the greatest example that we have um, right now today with people that miss what John is trying to teach us and Jesus is trying to teach us is our cell phone, right? How many of you guys have been walking around and you just see people like this the whole time, Right? You're talking to somebody they're like, yeah, yeah, so how's your day? You're like, yeah, well, that's awesome. And, and they're just they're stuck on their phone. I think in life and, and, and the things of this world, the things of life, they become kind of like this. We just get so fixated on the beeps and the buzzes. You know, every time your phone buzzes or beeps or somebody likes your comment, chemicals in your brain go off. Like it's, it's happy chemicals, good chemicals that make you feel good. Well, we get addicted to these chemicals just like any other drug, right, alcohol, um, and they become the go-to source for our lives. And, we, and, we get, and that kind of life is kind of like somebody on the phone all the time, that they're so fixated on what's right in front of them, they miss the bigger picture. And little by little, our culture is only being like, is living this kind of life, that we're so fixated on what's in front of us, what's happening now, right? What is the new thing that we should be angry about and be protesting? What's the new thing that we should be, and then a week later, it's something different, right? Why? Because we're only focused on what's right in front of us, not the bigger picture. And I believe John is telling us, you want to know what Jesus is trying to help us see? Is this is not necessarily a bad thing? Some of the things that we enjoy on earth are not necessarily bad things. But when you go up higher from a higher view and you see that and from a perspective of all that time spent on social media, all that time spent on phones, all that time spent on whatever it is, you, you feel in the thing that you're doing, was it really worth your whole life? And a lot of times we say no. It wasn't. It just sucked and took away a lot of what I wanted to do. In fact, a lot of times people say, I don't have time, and they'll be on their phone for hours, right? I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to start that degree. I don't have time to write that book. I don't have time, whatever it is, save money. I don't have time to get to that project. But yet, we'll watch TV and Netflix and movies for hours at a time. And then we'll say, I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. Where the truth is, if you'll just start with what you do have, 
then you're faithful with the little, you will find the bigger things. It always starts with the little. So excellence, it doesn't start with the big things. It always starts with the little things. Little things are the proving ground where we say, I'm going to be, I'm going to pay attention to those little things. And when we have that wider perspective, we begin to realize, oh, that little thing leads to this little thing, which leads to that really big thing. And if we're faithful here, we'll eventually get to there. And God has invited us into this. Jesus and John are saying, let me help you live a better life. Just learn to do things well, a life of excellence. You know, uh, there's one of my favorite Psalms in, in the in the Bible. It's Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 73. Asaph is, is the writer of this Psalm. And he's writing from this perspective of a frustrated person with life, right? He's working and trying so hard, and everybody else, is, it's easy for them. But for him, it's hard and struggling. And then it says, as he's frustrated talking to God, he goes to worship at the temple. And he says, during worship, all of a sudden, like his eyes were opened, right? He had this, um, this perspective where he was lifted up and began to see from a bigger perspective. Instead of focusing and complaining and comparing, he was, he was beginning to see something farther away. And he realized that everything he envied of his neighbors and the people around him, they actually were going to be the destruction in their lives. It wasn't going to be a good thing down the long, long haul. It was going to be bad. But it was the moment that he realized um, as, he, as he goes to worship God and he seeks God, that he gets his bigger perspective. Isaiah 40, uh, the prophet Isaiah, he says, he says this about our people who trust God. He says he gives strength to the weary and he increases power to the weak. Are you weary? Are you feeling weak? Well, he wants to give strength. He wants to increase the power. He goes on and says this, even youths grow tired and weary and young men, they stumble and they fall. People around us, they're going to work hard. They're going to, they're going to struggle and fall. But he says this, but those who hope in the Lord, other translations say those who trust in the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, those who come to the Lord, right? They will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who put their trust, their hope is in God. They're, they're, they're waiting on him. They're going to renew their strength. They're going to soar on wings like eagles. They're going to run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. I want to be that kind of person. That as I, I, I seek God, as I do the best with what I have, as I trust him, as I wait on him, as I put my hope in him, he actually helps me to have more strength, more ability to do more. A life of excellence, this is what you have. A life of excellence is going to raise us above the circumstances. A life of excellence is going to help us see the bigger perspective when it comes to family and raising our kids and marriage and business. It helps us pull away from just the immediate instead of just being like this kind of life of just focused on the moment. It helps us to say, I'm going to see something from a higher perspective. How can I live in such a way that I can see the bigger perspective? I, life of excellence, it starts now. It starts with little things. You know, one of the ways you can, you, you can begin a life of, excellence, uh, life of excellence is looking at those little things that you've been putting off, right? Maybe that little pile of papers. I have this. So I'm not talking to you. I'm talking directly to me. I have a pile of papers in my, on my desk, right? Some mail that I haven't gone through. One, we've been really busy. But they just kind of stack up. Well, if I'm going to be a life of excellence, I have to be in to tackle those little things and not just let the little details slip through. But become that person that says, man, I really need to sort that. I need to really get on that. And a lot of times, the little job, it'll actually lead to something bigger. It'll help you become more organized and, and, and put things in order in other ways. So we have to be the kind of people that say, do it now. I'm not going to put it off. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to do it now. I'm not going to just watch what others do. I'm going to do it now. So the question for us for this series is this. When it comes, I've decided... You have to ask yourself, is, am I following Jesus? Am I following his example, right? Um, am I living a life of excellence? Am I living with a positive attitude? Am, do I have healthy relationships in my life? Um, and am I allowing God to lead me on this journey? Do I have confidence? 
in him and in the life he's calling me to. Um, following Jesus, it always starts with listening, but it must be followed with action. To believe something and not act upon it is not true belief. Um, we have to let our actions back up what we're saying we believe. And God is saying, would you live a life of excellence? Whatever you do, wherever you go, whatever is put in front of you, just do the best with what you have. And if you consistently do that, you will actually have more. So here's my challenge, right? My challenge is, let's be, be a person of action. This week, would you be a personal person of action? Start with the little things. Maybe for you, it's, it's, it's every day you're, you're saying, God, what is it that you want me to do today? What are those things? And sometimes he's going to give us an assignment, a job. He's going to remind us of something we've been putting off. Just tackle that and do that thing today. Live that moment and say, God, what today are you wanting me to, to do today? Um, don't wait for something big, right, to be excellent. Be excellent in everything you do. It's the little things. Don't wait for the big things to be excellent in. Be excellent in the little things, and those will lead to the big things. So every day, just say, God, you know, on Sundays, one of the things that I love about Sundays is it's a, it's a cycle. It's a rhythm in our, in our life, right? We have seven days a week. Sunday is the first day. It's the day that the Bible records that Jesus rose from the grave. So he left death, death, and he, went, he came to life, right? So when we start our week off on Sunday, we're essentially saying, all right, God, maybe I didn't make it last week all that good, but I'm going to leave death, and I'm going to come to life. I'm going to say yes to life. And that invitation actually can be a daily invitation that we say, God, I don't want to live death. I don't want to continue my actions and put my, my, my focus on the things of this world, right? Um, the pleasures, the, the, the instant wins, instant gratification. I'm going to put it on something bigger. I'm going to say yes to what you're inviting me to do. And so when we look at Sundays, it's, it's the day that Christ left the dead. And we say today, let us be those kind of people that leaves death, that leaves the things of this world, that live the life that God wants us to. So you can leave, live death, leave death and live life every single day if you'll say, God, I want to follow you. I'm not going to wait for the big things. I'm going to say yes to those little things. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to follow your example. If you haven't fo- made that decision to follow Christ, and I would encourage you and challenge you, be that person today. Say yes, yes to him. All right? If you're watching and uh, you're not a Jesus follower, maybe you walked away and you're not following him, uh, today I would want to challenge you and, and encourage you. Maybe you're ready. Are you ready to make that decision today? Uh, I'll lead you in a prayer. Um, let me read a scripture for you first, though. In Revelation 3:20, it says this: "Here I am." And this is Jesus talking. He said, "Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me." Jesus, when he invites his disciples, when he invites people to follow him, essentially is saying, "I want a relationship. I'm here at the door of your life. I'm knocking. If anybody will hear me knocking and say yes, I'm going to come in." We're going to eat together. We're going to share a meal. We're going to have a relationship. Today, Jesus is knocking on the door of your life. Are you ready to say yes to him? If you are, say this prayer with me. All right? It's a simple prayer of invitation of saying, God, I want that relationship with you. God, I want to live a life of excellence. God, I want to live a life of confidence and healthy relationships and of a positive attitude, an attitude to serve others. Say this prayer with me if you're ready. Right, say, it like, say this. Say, Father God, today... I admit that I need your help. I cannot do it without you. Would you forgive me of my past, of my mistakes, of my sin? Come into my life. Help me to live a life of excellence. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to give us an example of how to live. For dying on that cross in my place. Thank you that he's alive today, that he conquered death, and the grave. 
And because of that, I can too. I put my trust in you today. Lead me and guide me. Show me each day what you're going to work on, how I can grow, how I can mature, how I can be healthy. Would you come into my life and lead me? Today, I choose to follow you. I make that decision to let you be the influence of my life. In Jesus' name I pray.